whenever I tell the story, I always cry because what's crazy is like I literally said, like, what am I going to do with a donkey? And it's like, here we are, like five years later and like all of this and like everything. And it's like, it's nuts to me. I'm sorry. I'm like such a sappy person. But like, this is my passion. This is my life. It's like what I'm supposed to do. And it took that donkey to like push me in that direction. You know what I mean? Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week, myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the podcast. So for those of you who may not know, our podcast is available on YouTube. And today I want you to make sure that you go watch today's episode on YouTube at be Christina LaCure over on YouTube, where we post all of the podcast each and every single week with our guests. Today, my guest, Talia Fisher, was probably crying within the first five minutes of this podcast. And I too was crying because this woman is so in her God-given purpose, you, you it comes through the screen. Talia is the founder of All Seated in a Barn, which is a huge, massive horse and donkey rescue we have in the United States of America. Whether or not you think you're interested in horses and donkeys, I want you to pay attention. I want you to share this episode. I want you, if you are possibly can, I would love for you to donate to this woman. Her passion for what she does comes through the screen and in her voice more than I have heard a guest in a very long time. This woman is truly in her God-given purpose, and it was absolute freaking pleasure to interview Talia Fisher, the founder of All Seated in a Barn. You guys, please, please, please share this episode today. Tag Talia, and like I said, if you have even $5 you want to donate to this woman, she is truly making an impact in this world, and it was such a treat. Enjoy today's episode. Y'all, I'm very excited and very interested in today's podcast. So today I am joined by Talia. She is the founder, CEO, creator, all of the things in All Seated in a Barn, which is a 501c3, and she's going to explain all of the things here in a second. But I'm super, super excited because I just finished interviewing her sister, who you've probably heard on the podcast when this comes out, uh, Natasha, who is the founder of the Trader Joe's List. And she, when Natasha and I were talking, she She's like, oh my gosh, you must interview my sister. She's amazing. And she started this 501c3. And I was like, absolutely 100%. So I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, girl. So tell everyone, let's just tell everyone, you know, who you are, what you do. And then we'll kind of start at the beginning of how this all started. Because one of the main things that I talk about with people is the fact that like everyone has a purpose and a passion that they want to do in their lives. And a lot of people don't do it. And you girl, 
you did it because of the bachelorette and wine. And now you're saving like thousands and thousands of animals. So uh, let us know who you are and what is all seated in a barn. Yeah. So um, we started it exactly as you said, we're a horse rescue, a horse and donkey rescue, although I seem to draw every animal under the sun. Um, but our focus is horses and donkeys. And I've had a passion since I was little for, like I used to, you know, read all the books about like horses shipping to slaughter. And like, I've always been obsessed with horses since I was little. And I, you know, I, once I got into high school, I kind of forgot about all that. And I still loved horses, but I didn't think about the fact that slaughter is still a thing, that abuse towards horses and donkeys is still a thing. Wild mustangs being round up is a thing. And it wasn't until I was watching The Bachelorette with my sister about five years ago that she was like, oh my gosh, look, there's this donkey shipping to slaughter. You have to help him. And at the time I was like, all of a sudden it dawned on me. And I was like, looked at her and I was like, that's still a thing. And she was like, apparently. So of course I started Googling and I was like, holy shit, like this is real still. Like who would have thought that 20 years later, since I was little reading a book, that this was still something going on. And so I was just like, Margo, I don't know anything about donkeys. I don't even think I've ever met a donkey. Like, what am I going to do with a donkey? And she's like, I don't know. You'll figure it out. Like, it'll be fine. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. So anyways, you know, a bottle of wine later shared between two sisters. And I was just like, you know, commercial break. Screw it. Let's get the donkey. So I sent him the money and the donkey shows up a month later and he kind of changed my life. He's changed a lot of lives since then. And it was kind of like, like put me on a path that kind of shoved me like to what I should be doing. See, I always cry. I don't know what is wrong. Oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) This is the reason why you know that you're doing what you're like, what you were put on this planet for. See, like I, I, like whenever I tell the story, I always cry because What's crazy is like, I literally said, like, what am I going to do with a donkey? And it's like, here we are like five years later and like all of this and like everything. And it's like, it's nuts to me. I'm sorry. I'm like such a sappy person, but like, this is my passion. This is my life. It's like what I'm supposed to do. And it just, it took that donkey to like push me in that direction. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Like we could end this podcast right now. No, seriously, I'm dead serious. You guys, if you are listening to this podcast, I'd encourage you to go over to YouTube and actually watch it because you'll see Talia sitting in the middle of nowhere, Texas in this massive, beautiful location, rubbing on a dog. And, you know, she's out here in between rescuing donkeys and rescuing animals in between all of the things that she's doing, flying over around, you know, you're based out of California and you've got a place in Texas and you truly were just called to do this and you're actually doing the damn thing and you should be so proud of yourself. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot, like this is like the tip of the iceberg for me. I have so many like plans and like what my ambitions are and like what I feel like I'm here for. And so like, it's hard because like when people are like, wow, look at what you're doing. You know, like how you say like, wow, you're really doing it. It's like, to me, I, I, because I'm in the thick of it and I see how bad this industry is on the side that I'm on, that I don't feel like I've done anything yet. Like, I feel like I'm just kind of chipping at the mountain, if that makes sense. And like, I'm like unchipping, you know, King Tut's tomb and we've just, just found the room and we still have so much more to go. Yeah. And it's exciting and it's scary and it's terrifying. And like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning every day. And 
yeah, it's it's a cool thing. It's scary as shit, but we're doing it slowly. I just think that that's so fucking incredible. Like you just summed up the way that everyone feels about like everything that they do when they start when they're just so passionate about something. So let's go back a second. So you're sitting on the couch watching Bachelorette. When you were a little kid, you read a book about slaughterhouses. What were you doing with your life? Like, what, and, and where the fuck was this donkey shipped? Like, if I found a donkey online today and they dropped it off at my house, this would not go well with the POA. So, like, where were you? Like, tell us um, about that part. I was kind of in between. Like, I was working as a wine. So, I was working for Wine Warehouse, which is one of the largest wine, beer, and spirit distribution companies and brand builders in California. So, that was my job. I was literally building brands for my territory. And... I just, this, what was I doing? I, I literally was building brands. I was sales rep selling alcohol. And so I owned personally two horses that I had adopted from a rescue for several years prior. And I think I just found a tick on this dog. Oh no. It's our ranch dog and I'm petting his chest and I think I just found a tick. Oh God, I hope this that's This is by far the most legit, honest <laughs> podcast I've done. And I've done this for years. You guys, this is amazing. You must watch the YouTube, I promise you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I got distracted by feeling what this is. And I'm like, okay, I so hate So you're it. building wine brands and you're, yes, you, had, and so, you had already adopted two horses. So it's not like horses like weren't in your life. They were like oh, no, in your life. Very much been a part okay. of my life since okay. I was born. Like I came out of the womb and I literally that all I could talk about think about was dogs and horses my room was nothing but dog and horse toys Barbies couldn't just be Barbies you know they had to be Barbies with horses that they rescued you know like this is who I was from like one years old until here I am turning 40 and so when you started this you were 35 is that right yeah. okay yeah. so you're 35 and I want that because I want people to hear that because I want people to th like do you know how people tell me all the time that it's too late like it's too late in life Oh, sure. You guys, she started at 35 years old and now they have like millions of followers. They've helped, you know, we're going to get into this, but like, please hear the fact that she was 35 years old when she started this. And I think, but like to that point, I, which to your followers and like kind of what you talk about, I know, like, I understand, you know, I, I did, I did the same thing everyone else does during your twenties. And you're like, where am I going with this? I think I'm but if you really pay attention to what your soul is saying, there's always something that you're called to do that you love, that you're passionate about. And, you know, I was my travel, you know, like I always explain life is like playing Mario Kart. When you go off the path, the coconuts are going to keep hitting you until you get back on the path that you're supposed to be on. And for me, that path really like hit me a lot with the coconuts until I finally found Kevin the donkey. But kind of always stayed true to myself and what I loved, which was the animals. And it just, a lot of people are scared. You know, once the coconut hits them, they're ever, they're scared to go off the path again, which is actually shaping them to be able to do their purpose. And I, I'm not afraid of getting hit with coconuts apparently. So <laughs> that's like the best analogy ever. And like only people in our demographic, like, or a little bit older would actually understand Mario Kart, right? Like, is that even a thing anymore? But I loved it. I never played I video know. games, but that was the only game I played. So I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That's like my analogy for life. I love it. It's so good though. So you guys are getting hit by the coconuts and until you fucking pay attention, those those things are just going to keep fucking hitting you until you pay attention yeah. and get on the right road. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh my gosh. And so mine good. was the bachelorette drinking wine and I got a donkey. And then, you know, that was like, well, shit, I just rescued the donkey. Like I've always dreamed of saving animals. Why don't we just start a rescue? And then that turned into, you know, getting three, which turned into five, which turned into 18, which turned into here we are today with literally over 200 actively within our facility system. And it's only growing. So in the beginning, you got the one donkey and then you're like, okay, I need to get another one. Like, what was the next step? Because I really want people to hear like the tangible, like, yeah. do you know how many people say that they want to start a 501c3 and people are like, well, I just don't know how. And then they don't fucking do it. Like, it's literally that stuff that just drives me up the wall. Right. So what the next step was literally me and my friend, Jen, sat down and started Googling how to start a 501c3. <laughs> and we printed out all the information we possibly could. And on our lunch breaks and in between seeing customers, we would go sit at our favorite restaurant and literally just start typing out everything that was needed. Like, cause it does take a lot of paperwork and we wanted to do it right. So we did it ourselves. We didn't pay LegalZoom. We didn't pay anyone. We did it ourselves. We filed it ourselves. And about three months later, we got the letter from the IRS that said we were, you know, approved for our 501c3. And then it was like, well, great, let's start fundraising, let's rescue something. And so then we sat down with Wine and we scrolled the website of one of these kill pens and we picked out a mama and a baby horse and a thoroughbred. And we just started going from there. <clears throat> and, you know, like in life, it doesn't just because you start something, let's say with a group of people, it doesn't mean that that's their passion. It just means they were there to help you fulfill or you needed to be in that moment. And maybe they needed this as well for a stepping stone in their whatever direction they're going in. And so naturally, you know, this was my passion. So I went full force all in. Like I was there every day cleaning the stalls, taking care of the horses, trying to fundraise because I didn't have enough money to pay for this on my own, trying to build Instagram to get followers, to get donations in. And I mean, it's all I did. I mean, my relationship that I was in at the time ended because all I could focus on was working and trying to get this profit going. And it wasn't his thing. You know, he wanted a more active, proactive girlfriend in his life. And that wasn't what I could give at that time. So my sister Margo is on the board. She helped found it. She's still on the board, but she's a photographer now who, you know, she comes out and takes beautiful pictures and stuff of the animals. But I just kind of took over because as they kind of fell off, you know, helping because they were busy with their own lives, it just became my thing. So as the more I dove into it, the more I self-sacrificed, the more the barn like tornado just started spinning and spinning and spinning. And then it just kind of started developing. I mean, they call it the, uh, what is it? The flywheel effect. Absolutely. The flywheel. Oh, I was going to say the boulder, whatever it is, like the yeah. more that you put, start pushing that boulder down, like it's hard to move the boulder in the beginning. Oh, like yeah. in the beginning, it's so hard to move that fucker. It's not moving at all. But then once you kind of get a little bit momentum, it feels like, and now so many people know about it. I'd really love to kind of, I'd, I'd love for you to educate my audience, because if I'm being a hundred percent honest before your sister even introduced me to you and watching you for the last few weeks on social media, I don't really even know where these horses come from. Like, like, can you explain to everyone like the situation of how, like once they get to you, like, but like, how do they get to these places? Is this like, yeah, if you can give us that explanation, because yeah. I think people need to be educated on this. And this is, you know, this is a cool podcast to be able to do this, to educate people and to even knowing that this exists. 
totally. Um, so my friend Peyton, who runs our quarantine barn, kind of gave me a good perspective last night. She said in every industry, there's the bottom of the barrel, you know, like that people don't want to talk about. They just kind of, you push it on the outskirts and pretend it doesn't exist. And that's with anything, you know, there's like the homeless people that you don't want to deal with all over the major cities of the, of the United States. Like there's all these things. And in the horse industry, it's no different. And there's unfortunately a lot of horses that people, they don't want to have to deal with. And the easy thing to do is to throw them into these auctions and into the slaughter pipeline. It's, you know, wipe your hands clean and turn and walk the other direction and pretend it never happened. And that is the reality. There aren't enough homes for aged horses similar to like senior citizens in America. Like, where do they go? They go in, you know, the senior homes where my grandpa was at. And I think the retirement homes and stuff like that. Well, with the horses, they don't have any options. There's a lot of crippled horses, you know, from age, they've got bad arthritis um, and a lot of medical issues. And unfortunately, people don't want old horses. They just, and especially with the price of feed and stuff, they don't want to have to pay to feed an old horse that they've inherited from their parents or from their family members or just their whole horse has gotten older and financially they are in a bad spot and can't afford to take care of them or you know their horse just gets injured so what happens is they list them on craigslist typically pretty inexpensive or they take them to a local auction well when they sell their horse the chances are they're getting there's a reason you're selling your horse probably and there's these traders that literally make money off flipping these horses so the traders buy them cheap and take them to other auctions to sell to make quick money but then if they want just really fast money, they can take them to these locations called a kill pen, which would be very similar to a pawn shop. And they can weigh the horse and they'll give them cash based on the weight per pound. And they take these horses in and they'll either, if the kill pen sees an opportunity to flip them online to make a bigger profit than what they would get from shipping them to Mexico, then they'll list them online to try to make that profit. But if the horse doesn't sell, it doesn't matter. They'll load them on a semi-truck every week by the truckload and they send them down to Mexico where they slaughter them. So there's a lot of horses and donkeys in the United States that are stuck in what's called the slaughter pipeline or the horse industry pipeline that don't have anywhere to go. They don't have, there's no like animal, animal control, animal shelters in the United States are not set up to take in horses. They might have a few horse pens in the back, but their focus is dogs and cats. Their staff, their volunteers, they're not trained to handle livestock. They're, and horses are considered livestock, not domesticated pets. So the laws are completely different. So you see that too, where a lot of people are like, how can like these neglected, starving, emaciated, um, injured, crippled horses end up at these kill pens or these auctions? Well, they're considered livestock. And the United States government doesn't know what to do with all these horses. They can't even handle the Mustangs that are being rounded up. So they just kind of like turn a blind eye and like, well, this is solving this problem for now. You know, just let them go through the auctions, let the rescues pick them up, let them shift to slaughter because then they don't have to deal with it. And that's really sad. And the problem is nobody wants to talk about it. You'll never see news sources do big stories on the plight of the American horse, like the issues, the struggles, like the reality of this industry and the reality of this situation. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do is spread awareness so that people see like, this is a problem. There needs to be a solution for these horses. There needs to be help for the rescues because the government won't even give grants 
to a rescue if we purchase a horse. And so all of your funding right now is private funding, correct? It's all donation based. And so like if I go to this auction and I or I go to this kill pen and they're in their field, they've got 30, 40 horses they're shipping to slaughter in three days. The government won't give me any subsidies. They don't give me any financial help to take in these horses and rehabilitate them and either sanctuary them or place them. There's no help. Like. So because they don't want they just they don't want to deal with this. And so that's where I'm just trying to spread awareness. I'm trying to educate. Um, there's a lot of loopholes. There's not a lot of corruption. There's a lot of greed. There's a lot of fraud. I mean, it's crazy to me because states pass legislation like California, Colorado's trying, New York, that says it's illegal to export the horses out of the state for slaughter. But what people don't realize is like, that's not a victory just because that law is passed. All they have to do is check the box below that says the horse is being sold to a private party and the horse goes across state lines. And now that person just drives straight to the kill pen and the horses go to Mexico or they go through the auction. Like there's no one being held accountable. There's no one following up. The USDA, even if you go look at like the slaughter, like the export for slaughter reports, they literally say that no donkeys have shipped to slaughter since January 1st of 2023. However, I was standing there when a load of donkeys shipped to slaughter in January. And it says zero on their on their government website. Makes no there's no one doing their jobs. There's no one, there's not enough funding, I think, at all going into the departments. Well, obviously it's a whole big thing, but there's not enough funding for people to do their jobs and be held accountable. So the only ones that suffer are these horses and donkeys. And then and, it leaves me and other rescues who are just trying so hard to just give these horses a soft landing, give them a chance to get adopted, like give them a chance to at least live their lives. So right now, you're, in your processes, you try to adopt as many as you can based upon the amount of donations where obviously you guys right now, I want every single one of you listening to go and at least share this podcast with someone to we can get a little bit more awareness around all seated in a barn. Also too, there's possibilities every single day. Talia is on her stories and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook asking for those of you who can support in any which way, even just the awareness, getting this in the hands of someone who is wanting to help in some sort of fashion. So you try to rescue as many as possible and then you rehabilitate them and then have them adopted? Is that the process we you go through? Yeah, exactly. So we get them in, we do a full vetting, full assessment period on them. Um, some of them have to be humanely euthanized because it's the right thing to do and it should have been done by their previous owners. And you see a lot of that, unfortunately. So do they keep them alive just to sell them? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh yeah, we've had horses with broken legs, broken backs, broken necks that go through and they ride them through. And it's just so they can make extra money. And they check them in. As long as a horse can walk and is breathing, they can come through these places. And the traders, there's a lot of drugs. You can give horses to put them out of pain for 24, 48, 36 hours. So they can walk in, but, you know, you get the horse back to your facility and you're like, oh, my God, because now it's limping and favoring its leg. And you do the x-rays and it's broken. So... We do our best to, we go through everyone, we vet them if they need to be humanely euthanized. Well, if it's something urgent, we'll put them down with the vet right then. If we can take them back and give them a couple months of just eating and getting happy and feeling good for 
for the first time and who knows how long and then give them that ending, then we go that route. But obviously our ultimate goal is to rehabilitate them and find them a, a home, a good home that they can just live the rest of their days on. And then we have a policy where if you don't want the horse or something comes up, you can bring it back. If you need suggestions or help with training, you can call us and one of our trainers will try to work with you through the phone or you can bring your horse back for you know a two week training session with them. So we, we try to really make set ourselves up to set the horses up for success the best that we can. Um, we're pretty unique in that sense in the in the country with horse rescues and that we do have like we have like three trainers on staff. We try to give like be there to support people with the horses they take from our facility as opposed to just you adopt them and you walk away and then, you know, six months later, you're like, shoot, I don't know what to do with my horse. And then you give it to your neighbor and then it ends up back at an auction again. Hey, y'all, it's Christina. If you've listened to this podcast a while, you probably heard me talk about my clients. And the reason for that is I'm obsessed with them and they're obsessed with their results. Having been a one-on-one -on -one coach for over five and a half years and being voted the top confidence coach in 2020, I can firmly tell you there is not a faster way to success than having someone hold you consistent, confident, and give you the clarity you need to achieve your personal and professional goals. In 2023, I am doing something that no one else in the coaching industry does, and that's allowing you to have me as your one-on-one -on -one coach for less than $300 a month. So if you've ever thought about one-on-one -on -one coaching and didn't think it was possible for you, I would encourage you to text me the word COACH to 501-222-3362. And I can tell you what it would look like to have you and I together in a one-on-one -on -one coaching capacity for the next year to make sure you are deciding it is your turn to hit the goals that you have decided for in 2023. Again, text me the word COACH to 501-222-3362. You can send me a message on Instagram at bchristina or check the show notes for more details. I look forward to hearing from you. So the people who are putting these horses in auction, is it like, is the majority of them bad people or is the majority of them people that just don't know what to do with horses anymore? Like where did the, most of these horses come from? Is this a, um, like, yeah, I guess where do all the horses come from? Is this like a race thing? Is this like a breeding thing? It's just lack of education. I would say that no, probably 80% of the people who own these horses don't know where they're going. Yeah. A lot of these traders, you know, will call your Facebook Craigslist ads and pretend like they're the best home in the world and you don't know the difference. And I know rescues who, when they've gotten started, especially in the Midwest where a lot of these traders are and they live, you know, I, I know personal rescues who they literally the traders pass the reference checks, they trust the background checks, and then they adopt out their rescues to them. And then they realize, you know, three months later, who that person really was when they see them at an auction. And then they're like, oh, God. So these traders and stuff are really good at what they're doing. They have kids, they have sisters who are doing the same thing that they're doing. And they've, they're good at what they do. This is their job, this is what they make their income. And I mean, their kids are in on it, which is insane to me. And it's people don't know they don't they just think like oh I can take my horse to the horse auction and they just think there's a bunch of you know regular people there looking to buy a horse which in some cases there definitely are but in a lot of cases like even here in California at our Bakersfield auction a lot of the people who attend are traders and they're there just trying to flip horses amongst each other to make money and 
a lot of these horses are crippled. They have issues. And they just know that bringing them to this auction, they're going to be higher priced because in California, you don't see a lot of horse sales. And so they can promote it as a high-end sale. Like we're going to do a catalog and all this shit. And people don't know. They're like, oh, let's go get our horse catalog sale at this high-end sale coming to California. Not realizing the people putting this auction on are actually traders who probably have 20 horses sitting in their backyard and they just want to flip them for a higher margin. Like it's insane. This industry is all messed up. Wow. That is so crazy. The best thing yeah, the best thing people can do if they're looking to buy a horse or buy a donkey is to call a rescue because a legit rescue is so invested in their horses and donkeys that they're going to be fully transparent and honest with you about the injuries, the personality, the best thing this horse could do as far as like, does this horse want to be a riding horse? If it does, does it want to do trails? Would it be better doing something more athletic like eventing or, or something along that nature? Um as opposed to a trader who will drug a bucking horse and tell you it's perfect for your kids. You pay them $2,500, you take your bucking horse home and now your kids go to get on and they get nailed. <gasps> and now you can't, you're stuck with a bucking horse. And, and then you have to go time. back and then they rebuy it and they resell it. Well, oh no, the traders God. don't answer your phone calls. So oh. now you're stuck with a dangerous horse. What do you do? You drive to the auction because yeah, it's the easiest the way to get rid of your horse. You hope you can get a little bit of your money back and then you sit at the auction, you buy another horse, but most of the horses are being sold by traders. Now you get this horse home and it's limping. And then you're like, oh God, now we have a limping horse. And then you take it back to the auction. You try to do it again. And the only one's really suffering is that person who genuinely has no knowledge, their bank account and the horse, because these horses just get traded around and traded around. Wow. <clears throat> So how many people are there in the United States like yourself? Like how many rescues are there that are like legitimately good rescues that people can go to, to purchase a horse if that's something that they want to do? There's quite a few, I would say several hundred probably. Oh. I mean, there's at least, there's okay, a lot. Amazing. Like if you, yeah. If you start Googling, I mean, they might be small with maybe four or five horses, but their hearts are no different or are exactly on point and in line with mine, even though we have over 200. So it's just, Googling, going to their Instagram page, seeing what they're doing, asking them questions, going and visiting their facility. Um, you know, we all started somewhere. I had, if someone reached out to me and we had two horses, I would be thrilled if they wanted to adopt one. You know, it's just Googling horse rescues or horse sanctuaries and just reaching out, having a phone conversation. Usually your heart and intuition will tell you if they're good or not, paying attention to that. Well, that's like where we started this podcast, paying attention yeah. to that. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how do people, like what are donkeys actually used for? Maybe this is just a silly question, but like, what do we use donkeys for in the United States right now anyway? Like, I didn't realize that there was like so many donkeys until I started watching your stories. And I was like, there's <laughs> freaking donkeys everywhere. <laughs> yeah. People there, donkeys are great just as a companion pet. Like they're really loving. They're very social. Um, People have this misconception that donkeys are these guardian animals, but they're not. Most of them like don't care about protecting. Like everyone's always like, oh, I want to get some donkeys to protect the livestock. And I'm like, where did this myth even come into play? Like, I, it, it blows my mind. But I mean, I don't know. Like, you're not gonna ride a donkey. You just have them. They're great. Yeah. They're like having a dog. You know, like donkeys are very loyal. They're very snuggly and like sweet and cute and friendly and like I don't know they're really easy to take care of they're cheaper than dogs to take care of um 
but there's, I mean, there's donkeys all over the United States because what they do is they'll go out and round donkeys up, like illegally off cattle lands, off people's backyards, and they can easily take them to an auction and flip them for quick money. Holy shit. So tell me about the, um, and I know that everyone will want to know about this. Tell me about the wild Mustangs. What are they doing with that? Um, so I'm not as traversed as like a lot of the Mustang specific. Groups. Trust me, you probably are more so than anyone that's listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, um, really to sum it up, there's the wild horses all over America, but the cattle, people who graze cows have a lot of land rights. You know, they've got permits to graze their lands on pub their cows on public land. Well, grazing on that public land are also these herds of wild horses. Well, the government gets a lot of money from selling these permits so that they can graze their cattle. And so when the cattlemen are complaining that the horses are taking up the grass and they're paying all this money, then the government is like, okay, well, we'll go round up the horses. So then these horses get put into these huge holding facilities. There's over like 50,000 or 60,000 horses right now, wild horses rounded up sitting in just these huge holding facilities. And they just sit there. And what they're doing now, it's called the, um, it's a, my brain is drawing a blank today, but it's what the government does is they say that if you adopt a Mustang through their program, if you keep that Mustang for one year, they will give you a check for a thousand dollars. You can do that with up to four a year. So let's say you have a family of five. It's you and your husband or your wife, and you have three kids over the age of 18, you can go down there and get 20 Mustangs, put them in your trailer, drive home. A lot of people have a lot of land in the Midwest. You throw them out on pasture for a year. You don't have to feed them that much. And in one year, you're going to get a check from the government for $20,000. You take those horses, you drive down to the local auction. You sell them all for about 500. Now you've made another $10,000. So you've just made $30,000 holding 20 horses for one year. And then those horses are bought by the kill pen and sold to slaughter. So the program is completely faulty. And what's happening is it's incentivizing the wrong people to go adopt these Mustangs. And they're ending up being shipped to slaughter, which was not the point of the program. The point of the program was like, let's get these horses homed. But now the program is sending a lot of them across the borders to Mexico and Canada where they're being slaughtered. So there's a huge outcry about this adoption incentive program because it's actually killing the Mustangs. It's not helping the Mustangs. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it amazing how we as human beings can fuck up something that was supposed to be good, the evil yeah. in this world? Yeah. Um, so you say to Mexico and Canada. Now, do people make dog food out of horses like that's what i feel like i've always heard like is that what you're is that what they're using these horses for it's more than that it's even more than that so pretty much outside of the united states they eat horse everywhere in asia it's huge for sashimi and um, oh yeah in japan it's it's just as popular as cow in china one of the most popular teas is made from dehydrated donkey hide and they sell it on amazon and now there's a massive lawsuit against amazon because legally in a lot of states you're not allowed to be selling horse or donkey products but they're selling it on amazon and so in mexico people eat horse you know they grill it up it's in your tacos with everything else and a lot of leather goods in mexico are made from horse hide you can buy horse hide shoes on amazon 
um, belts on Amazon. So yes, when the horses are shipped across the border, although the demand for horse as a world is going down, they're still exporting because that demand is still there. So let's say in Mexico at the slaughter plant, when they slaughter the horses, the meat is being packaged and export within Mexico and out of the country. But then obviously they utilize the other, you know, the bones, the, the tendons, things like that to make products. They can sell that collagen or that whatever to the companies that need it to make stuff like dog food, like glue. I mean, horse hooves are ground up, donkey or horse, donkey, cow, all their hooves and stuff are used to make stuff like glue and other products. And if you break down those products, they're usually not made in the United States. And one of the ingredients will be animal byproduct. They can't say horse or donkey specific, but if you did an analysis, it would be a, it would be a combination of horse, donkey, cow, you know, all the things, sheep, goats, because legally in the other countries, they can make those products and sell it as an animal byproduct. So that's where like they end up. That's kind of where the meat and everything ends up. Wow. So in the beginning of this podcast, you said this is just the tip of the iceberg. So what is your plan for all seated in a barn? Like, what is it that you truly, obviously, I'm sure your mission is to stop this permanently, but like in the next, you know, few months in the next year, like overall, by the time you die, what, what is the plan for this? Because, you know, I, I always want to, you know, look at all perspectives, but I love right. when a human being is so passionate about something. You know, I remember my therapist told me, she's like, Christina, you sound like the crazy CrossFitter girl. You are so passionate about what you do. And not everyone loves fucking CrossFit. <laughs> not everyone loves what you do. So if you're listening to the podcast today, and perhaps you have a different view than Talia, that's okay. Because Talia has so much fucking passion. She's the crazy CrossFitter when it comes to saving these animals. What is the mission? So it's something I'm going to do in a few months. Um, but my goal is when I die, I want like all seated in a barn to be around the United States, if not in other countries, as like the Humane Society for Horses, where these horses have an option. You know, people don't have to go sell them at an auction. They can bring them in. And maybe that there's some sort of a financial incentive for you to bring your horse. And instead of getting paid by a sell barn, you know, you can walk out with $300, but now your horse is here and it, we can rehabilitate it or give it sanctuary and then adopt it out. And I want it to be a thing where like, you know, people look at rescue horses as a used car lot, like, oh, I guess I'll go get the used car. I guess I'll go get the used horse because that's all I can afford. But that's where I'm trying to change the perspective of a rescue horse is not a used car. This horse can be just as fantastic as a horse you're buying from a trader, but more honest. And I want people to seek that out. Like, oh, you want to get a horse? Call seated in a barn. Oh, you want to get a horse? You know, call that rescue. And I want that to be trendy. I want rescues. I want Wrangler and Levi to stop using supermodels in their ads and actually use the people wearing their products, living in their products daily. That that's that should be what's on their ads. Like that, they should be proud of that. Budweiser should have rescued Amish draft horses pulling their carriages and their beer ads giving a percentage of every beer they sell to the nonprofits that are actually helping these horses that they are making so much money using in their advertising. I mean, people come out to our barn all the time and they're like, wow, are those like a Budweiser Clydesdale? And I'm like, no, but they should be. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want. I want like 
that to become its own entity, its own force, its own brand, its own coolness. I want little kids like to go to school with patches of our rescue horses on their backpacks and be like, oh, do you have the new Frederick patch? And like, make it cool. Like, I want them to stick it in their crock and walk around like, oh, you have the Felix zebra patch? Like, mom, I want the zebra one. Like, I want it to be something that the kids are excited about and the kids are and the adults are. And like, it needs to be something that is becomes a household name when it comes to horses. That's the only that's the only way I can see this industry changing. It has got to become trendy. It has to become something that, that everyone in the family can support and get behind and just becomes normal. Trendy until it's normal. And then, and, yeah. and you know what, honestly, what you have done in five years, I always say that like, as a coach, one of the cool things about me is I have the external perspective. And you are so in it right now. And I know that people have probably reflected this to you, but I just met you. I've just been following you as the external perspective of what you have done in just five years. Five years is a tiny blip on the radar. What you have been able to do and the eyes that you have been able to bring to your industry you are making a difference. And I promise you, I will be watching one day when I say, <laughs> oh my God, I interviewed that bitch before she was the face of Budweiser. <laughs> like, don't listen to episode 100 and something. Like I know her. Tyler, there's no doubt in my mind. There's, And I always believe in, I don't know where you stand on faith, but for me, one touch of God's favor can fast forward oh, every yeah. heartbeat. One that's touch. What, that's another thing that'll always get me crying. It's like, literally, see, and then it makes me want to cry people come out to the barn and they're like holy shit how do you like you've done all this in five years and I'm like yeah but it's not me it's literally God it's not me like you know he he puts the path in front of me and if I just listen instead of fighting the coconuts like fucking doors open like I, I don't know what to say like we today I'm going to look at a 90 acre property that borders a rhino preserve that might become our we might be buying it to be our new quarantine facility like if it's meant to be, I don't have good credit either. Like people are like, how do you have, you know, this property in California that's 10 acres and it's stunning. And I'm like, God, like, I literally don't know. Like I have no credit. I can't do this, but people walk out of the woodwork and they're like, oh no, don't worry about it. I'll buy it for you. And you just pay me back. And it just happens like that. Like literally when you're on the right path and you trust God, as scary as it is, the door's fucking open. It's just, you got to be able to walk through the valley of fucking death and be scared shitless. And then he goes, good job. You passed. Here you go. Have your first, like, well done. <laughs> I swear to God on my life. I've used that. Like, I'm like, you have to jump off the cliff with absolutely no parachute. There is glass and spiky <laughs> yes. shit at the bottom, but unless you jump, he's not going to like, he's like, you got to trust me. You got to jump. You got to jump. Yeah. And until you jump, it ain't going to fucking happen. Everyone at the barn knows, like when I first got started. I remember when I, during COVID in 2021, I went to my first auction and I did a video saying I was going and I had never been to an auction before. And I posted a video on Facebook and Instagram and it went viral. So we had like $30,000 come in and I was like, oh my God. And I saved like 92 horses and donkeys. Everyone back home, we literally had one little two acre barn. And they're like, oh my God, what did Talia do? And I'm like, I don't know what I just did, but God better open some doors here because I just, I don't know what I'm going to do with 92 horses and donkeys. And literally I got home and that week a guy's driving down the road and I look and I was like, are you kidding me? 
And it was this guy that I worked with at a restaurant that I hadn't seen in like 10 years. That was super good friends with me and Natasha. Actually, Tishy was in love with him. His name was Nate. <laughs> and he goes, holy shit. And I was like, what is up? I haven't seen you. And I was on horseback, literally, because it was the same street as the barn. And he, I'm like, what are you doing? How are you? He's like, good. I just moved in this house over here on five acres. And, you know, my dad was living here. He had to go to a home. So I moved in. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I have a rescue. It's, we're just right down, like three houses down. I was like, that's crazy. He's like, well, if you ever need more space, I have five acres we're not using. And I looked at him and I said, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, do you want to come see it? And I go, hell yeah. So we rode our horses literally three houses down to this big field that had a round pen and a tie post and a pen. And I went, how much do you want for rent every month? And he's like, the 600 sound fair. And I said, done. I started to go fund me for $25,000 so I could build paneled pens for these 92 horses and donkeys. And literally we erected like a town overnight in three days, we all busted our apps off. We built all these pens and like everything. The truck rolls in, we get all these horses and donkeys situated. I go to the auction the next month because I was dating a guy that I swiped right on on Tinder during COVID and he flew to California and he loved what I was doing. So we went, I, I went to visit him again and he's like, do you want to go back to the auction? And I was like, fuck, not really. And like, I had gotten really lucky. A lot of rescues reached out to me and took a lot of those 92. So they took him in, you know, like 10 donkeys here, 10 donkeys there, three horses here. And um, so we go to the auction and I do another video just like, hey, you know, maybe we'll get five or 10. No. Crazy me, 87 horses <gasps> after this one. So we erected again. We built more of the five acres up. And that literally like was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. But to my point was that I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I just had to trust God that, well, this is what we, this is what happened. And then he's got to have some sort of a freaking plan because he would not have put me in this position if I wasn't going to be able to successfully get through it. And literally it worked and it happened. And like these doors, like now everyone at the barn knows. And if they know me and who have been part of the barn long enough, they don't even think I'm crazy anymore. They're like, she'll be fine. God usually handles it for her. And it's like a thing. It's real. Like it seriously is real. A hundred percent, like fucking full body chills. You guys, please. Like if you have not watched this video on YouTube, please go right now like share this with someone who needs to hear it. There's someone out there. I don't care if this is heard by two people or 2 million people. There's someone out there that has to hear this podcast because they want to give their money, their time, their energy, <laughs> their land to this amazing human being who just keeps jumping off this cliff without a parachute because <laughs> she just has so much faith. And this is just the reason why she was put on this planet. I have enjoyed this conversation so much. I am so fucking grateful to know you. I'm donating immediately. I don't know if you want to oh check or Venmo, whatever's <laughs> easiest. I'll do it. Um, and just thank you for sharing. Thank you for yeah, being you're welcome. You. I loved you're it. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, please. Can you tell everyone where do they follow you? Do all the things just last yeah. round up. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at all seated in a barn. Um, all seated in a barn. Um, our website is all seated in a barn.com. It's also all seated in a barn on YouTube or TikTok or wherever you like to go follow on social media. Um, and if you want to donate, that's the best way. I mean, on Instagram, we have a link to our link tree, which you can donate Apple pay, Google pay, foreign currency. It's like all the things. Um, and then of course we're on Venmo and we're on Zelle and 
I mean, all the information is also on our website. You can go to the website for all that too, which is just all seated in a barn.com. Guys, please run, share, tag Talia, <laughs> tell her how amazing she is. No matter, even if you don't even know anything about horses, you've just heard a woman who is so in her purpose in this planet. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.